I had planned to begin a series of messages today on the book of Galatians. Now, the last time that we were together, we had just wrapped up a series of messages and going through the book of Judges. Now, if you were here for that, and I know that most of you were, uh, Judges sort of begins and ends with a, just a tragic statement of how people were responding to the things of God and the things of faith in that time. It made the statement that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It's like, okay, I'm just going to do it however I want to do it. I don't really care what God says. I don't really care what the Word of God says. I'm just going to do it. And you know what that, you know what the word that we have for that in Scripture is? It's called sin. In other words, the people were just going to live in a sinful condition, in a sinful state. They were just going to please themselves. And when we live in a state of sin, it just moves us farther and farther and farther from the heart of God. And that is the very reason that we need grace. And man, do we need a lot of it. And Galatians is all about that grace. And so I took my study materials with me, and uh, I took my laptop and the materials on that and a few other things. And many nights while we were on this trip, I pulled out those study materials, and I'm working, I'm working, I'm working on Galatians. I'm reading the whole book. I'm, I'm processing. I'm trying to make an outline of it. And it's just, just like nothing whatsoever was gelling. But I, I planned my preaching calendar out in advance because I want to make sure that the church has a, a healthy dose, a healthy diet of Old Testament, New Testament, of doctrine, of, of uh, topical stuff. And so this was exactly where I intended to land in. And, and I just couldn't make it work, no matter how much I tried. But that's what's on my calendar, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it work. Sometimes you just have to push through things, right? So that's what I was trying to do. But between the conference that we attended uh, and a car snack that we took on our trip... Uh, on the way home, the Lord gave me a different inspiration, which helped me understand why nothing in Galatians was gelling, because I really think that this is what we need for us, for today, for this morning. Now, how many of you pack snacks in a car? We're going to take a long trip. How many of you pack snacks? It's like, right, you, you cannot take a long trip without the appropriate snacks. So we made a run to Walmart, you know, before we left. And we, man, we just loaded up on lots of goodies. Now, there is kind of one, I mean, we, we had a bunch of different ones, but there's one sort of go-to that we use on a regular basis. And, you know, this may not be something that you use, but, man, we have come to love these. Sunflower seeds. Do I have any sunflower seed addicts in the house? All right, man, I absolutely love sunflower seeds. Now, I got hooked on these things when I was in the Army. And uh, when you're in the Army, you, you do a whole lot of walking, and uh, you, don't, you don't get a whole lot of time to eat, and it's, it's physically exhausting, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, salt content in, uh, in sunflower seeds. And so you just take a whole bunch of sunflower seeds, you put them in a, in a Ziploc baggie, and uh, so they wouldn't make noise. 
And as you're walking, man, you'd grab those sunflower seeds, put them in your mouth, and sometimes you'd look like a chipmunk, you know, both cheeks all full, filled up. And, and you just, you know, you start cracking them and, and spitting them. And, you know, let's just be honest now. I mean, you know, sunflower seeds are like a refined and uh, clean way of a substitute for chewing tobacco, right? I mean, and, and you'll, you'll see a bunch, you'll probably see a bunch of these if you watch the baseball playoffs. Uh, and, and you'll probably see a lot of these if you're watching, you know, my Atlanta Braves uh, uh, get rid of the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Um, <laughs> Man, it used to be that everybody in baseball, you know, dipped all the time, and now it's like sunflower seed mania. And, and there is, by the way, there is an art to, uh, to eating sunflower seeds properly. I've handed sunflower seeds before to people who just take a bunch and put them in their mouth, just start chewing them all up. Man, that is like, what, what are you doing? That is an abomination. Man, the Lord is not pleased with you right now. You, you have to take one at a time and you slide it between your two front teeth and, and then you bite down on it, the seed pops open and then you grab that little kernel on the inside then you suck the salt out of the shell, right? Am I, am I preaching here? All right, you suck the salt out of the shell, and then you spit that, that uh, shell out, man, and you just, you just finish that kernel. Or, or if you're really skilled, you can move the kernel over to the other side of your cheek, and you can gather all of them there until you've got enough to make it really worthwhile to chew on those. It is a beautiful skill and one that I highly, highly encourage you to acquire. Now, when you're traveling in the car... It doesn't really work good to just spit the shells out. That makes for an incredibly messy car. If you try to spit them out the window, that doesn't work either. So we have learned to carry cups, and you, just, you, know, you spit them in the cup. All right? So um, that's, this is something that, that we do whenever we travel. All right. So between my sunflower seeds and the conference that we went to, which happened to be an outreach conference, and the outreach is all about reaching people for Jesus, something occurred to me that is what I believe God wanted me to bring to us this morning. Now, I love sunflower seeds. I love pulling them out, and I love eating them. And here's, here's something that, that struck me. Now, I've been eating sunflower seeds for probably 25 to 30 years. And in all of that time, I, I see sunflower seeds as a snack product. I see it as a food product. But I think when I do that, you miss one very, very essential truth of sunflower seeds. And that is, number one, what actually is a sunflower seed? It is a what? It's a seed. All of these years, I've basically been consuming sunflower seeds. Who knows how many I have consumed over the years? But I always envision and, and perceives my sunflower seeds as a snack or food product. I never consider the fact that they're actually, first and foremost, a seed. And as I was driving back 
from the conference, eating my sunflower seeds, processing the, the discussions about outreach, it hit me that our faith is a seed. Our faith is a seed, and far too many American Christians, of which you and I fall into the category of, far too many American Christians have begun to see our faith as something for us to snack on, for something for us to consume and gain benefit from it, but we sure don't see it as a seed. It is for our benefit, and seldom do we see it as the benefit for others. And church, this must change. It must change. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. I'm going to read a parable that probably all of us are familiar with, but I want to read it and then I want to talk about it briefly. Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 4. And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down. And the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, yielded a crop a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, Well, what does this mean? And he said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. But now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts lest they should be believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation, they fall away. And now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, uh, are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground. There are those who have heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it, and bear fruit with patience. Now, I'm pretty sure everybody in here this morning has probably heard that parable on more than one occasion. And the truth is, there are a whole lot of messages, a whole lot of different messages that you can preach and bring from that passage of Scripture. But I want to focus this morning on probably the one aspect of this parable that is the least one spoken of. I want to talk about the sower. I want to talk about the one who is throwing the seed. Now, don't get me wrong. The seed is really, really, really important. 
Now, if you want to you grow corn, you got you to have seed for corn, right? If you want to grow beans, you got to have seeds for beans. Whatever you grow, you have to have the right seed in order to grow what you want to grow. You need, you need good quality seed. You need good quantity seed. The seed matters. But church, let's just be really frank here. I don't care how good the seed is. I don't care how much seed you have. The seed will not grow unless you do some of this. Now, I know I'm going to get in trouble for that later. I'll clean that up on Monday. You don't grow anything, no matter how good the seed is, unless you pull it out and you start throwing it around. Amen? If the seed stays in the bag, it won't grow a doggone thing. The soil's important. The soil's important. You know, when I moved here from, from South Carolina to the state of Illinois, I was absolutely blown away by how rich and how black the dirt was. I'd never seen anything like it in my life. It just, just like, wow, that's unreal. And I'm, I'm not a farmer. I've never been a farmer. But, I, I mean, I've, I've been in all parts of the country. I've seen a lot of different soils. Man, this is the most amazing soil I've ever seen anywhere. And there are some other places in the country, other places in the world that would give their eye teeth to have the same kind of soil that we got here. The soil matters. But here's the thing, church. I don't care how good the soil is. I don't care how hard the soil is. I don't care how deep the soil is. It won't matter what kind of soil it is if you don't take some seed out and start throwing it on the ground. Amen? If the seed stays in the bag, it won't grow a thing. I don't care how much you've got. I don't care how good it is. I don't care what kind of soil you've got. It won't grow anything unless and until you start taking the seed out of the bag and throwing it around. And I'm afraid that far too many of us as Christians in America, we have come to see our seed as something. Man, do we enjoy snacking on our seed. Man, do we enjoy eating our seed. Man, that is some good stuff. And you know what? When I first started eating sunflower seeds, there was only one kind of sunflower seed you could get. It was just a plain sunflower seed that was salted. Now they got all kinds of flavors, right? Man, I mean, this is barbecue. I happen to like barbecue sunflower seeds. They got ranch sunflower seeds. They got bacon ranch sunflower seeds. They got dill sunflower seeds. They got spicy buffalo ranch sunflower seeds. I mean, it's like 10 or 15 different flavors that you can get of sunflower seeds. 
And you know what we as Christians are doing now? We're like, well, I like my sunflower seeds, but I like a particular flavor of my sunflower seed. And if that's not the sunflower seed I want, then I'm just not going to be happy until I get the sunflower uh, seed that I want and the flavor I want. And so we're not concerned about throwing it around like, well, I don't like that seed, so I'm not going to give you any of that. I'm not going to do anything until I get the seed I want. In the meantime, church... There's soil all over the place and people are dying and going to hell without Jesus and we won't throw our seed out for them. In two weeks from tonight, Daryl Strawberry will be here to share the gospel. Now, I know that, you know, we, it's been called on many occasions here, it's been called a revival. To me, church, this is not a revival. This is a crusade. This is a crusade. Because you want to know how you find revival, you start seeing people get saved. That's how you find revival. And this man is going to come, and he's going to share what God has done in his life, the place he started, the place he went to, how, how he achieved everything that the world has to offer. And then it all came crashing down and nothing, nothing, nothing worked outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no hope in professional sports. There's no hope in professional accomplishments. There's no hope in title or anything else. The only hope that anybody in this world will ever know that is real and lasting is the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing. We've known about this for some time. And I can promise you, not because I know what each individual has done, but because I know what Christians do. Some of you have been aware of this for a while, and you've thought about, well, maybe I should share some of my seed. Maybe I should share some of my seed with somebody that Daryl Strawberry's coming in. They're going to hear the hope of the gospel. But you walk through the, the aisles of your business place, or, or your place of uh, residence, and you go, hmm, you know what? I don't really think that they know who Daryl Strawberry is. I don't really think that they're going to be all that responsive. And you know what we do? We hold on to our seed because, man, we don't want to waste our seed. We don't want to throw our seed somewhere where it's not going to be any good, so I'm just going to hold it. I'm just going to hold on to this. I'm going to clutch it, and I'm going to keep this to myself. God, forgive you. Because your seed that you are carrying is not for you to hoard. It is for you to reach into your bag and spread it as far as you can spread it. When you read that parable, you realize that that seed fell on all sorts of places. And, and in fact, Jesus gives four different sort of situations that the seed falls on. And do you know that three-quarters of them were unproductive? You realize that? Three-quarters of the seed that was thrown out fell on unproductive ground. Did it stop the sower? Did it stop him, him from reaching into his bag and going, well, hey, I don't know what the result of this thing is going to be, but I'm going to throw my seed because God is the giver of the growth. My job is to go out and throw it and spread it. Amen? 
And here's what we have been doing for far too long. We are not following the example of the sower. Not only are we not throwing all that much seed in the first place, but man, we are prejudging like crazy the response that we're going to get before we throw it. It is not our job to prejudge. It's not our job to go, well, that one will work, that one won't, that one won't, that one won't, that one won't, that one won't. Oh, so this is really not a very good spot. I'm just going to hold on to my seed. No, 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 no. That's what the devil would like us to believe. Hey, you know, you got a pretty nice snack there. You might not want to waste it. You might want to hang on to that because you might need it yourself. Meanwhile, God is saying, hey, I can fill your bag of seed up over and over and over again. I fed 5,000 with five fish and two loaves of bread. I could keep feeding your seed bag up. Don't you dare hold on to it and be stingy with it. You just go out there and you throw it around. The Apostle Paul said in Corinthians, he said, I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the what? He gave the increase. He gave the growth. But the growth came after, after the planting, after the sowing of seed. After taking the seed out of the bag and throwing it out, and then somebody coming behind that and watering it. You don't know what the result will be. So stop prejudging. Just be a faithful sower of the word. The last speaker at the conference, uh, man, I, you know, it's not proper to lick your fingers, but man, right now I want to lick my fingers so bad. Mm. Man, that's good. So the last speaker was a guy by the name of Lee Strobel. Now, some of you know who Lee Strobel is. Lee Strobel was a journalist who was an atheist who set out to prove that Christianity is a crock. He spent two years exercising and practicing investigative journalism in order to prove how stupid Christianity is. And you know what happened to him? He got saved. <laughs> he came to faith in Jesus Christ. The more that he tried to disprove that the gospel was not real, the more that God showed up and said, you're wasting your time, man. You're only going to prove the opposite of what you're trying to do. And ultimately, he got saved. Now, after he got saved, he was still working uh, at the newspaper. And he had a boss that was an atheist. And the Sunday, the week before Easter, and this was after his conversion, he said, I was sitting in my office one day, and the Holy Spirit just, just impressed upon my heart, go invite your boss to Easter Sunday, Easter Sunday service. It's like, well, I don't know about that. I mean, he's an, he's an atheist God. 
And he said, and the more that I wrestled with God, the more the Holy Spirit just kept impressing me, go share an invitation to the Easter service with your boss. And so the more that he thought about it, the more courageous he got. And he was like, okay, if God is pressing me this much, this is going to be awesome, man. I'm going to walk into my boss's office. I'm going to invite him to Easter service, and he might just get saved right on the spot because that's how good God is. So he walked into his boss's office, and uh, he said, hey, um, you know, next Sunday is Easter. And I would love to invite you to join my wife and me for Easter service. And he said, man, what's wrong with you? You know I'm an atheist. I don't want anything to do with your church. I couldn't care less about Easter. And he, Lee, Lee Stroh was like, I was just a little taken aback because that's really not what I was expecting, not after God impressed on his heart so strongly, go talk to your boss. So he's like um, scrambling for words because that wasn't what he was expecting to hear. And, and he remembered that, that his boss had talked many times about how much he liked music. And he said, hey, I'll tell you what, man, we've got this great music team at our church. So, so why don't you just come for Easter and just enjoy the music with us? Because I think you'll love it. His boss looked at him and he said, Strobel. Leave me alone, dude. He goes, I couldn't care less about coming to your church to listen to your music. I can listen to music anytime I want to. I am not coming to your Easter service. Finally, he gave up after a few other interchanges, went back to his office, and he said that bothered him for years. How in the world could he sense God's leading in such a clear and profound way, walk into his boss's office trying to share an invitation to the gospel, throwing some seed out where it looks like some hard, rocky ground maybe, but I'm going to throw it out and I'm going to trust God with what's going to happen to it. I know every time I do that, it's like, man, there's more vacuuming i got to do. <laughs> but throw that out and see what happens to it only to have it just completely go up in flames. Absolutely nothing. Several years down the road, he was speaking at a church, and uh, a man came up to him after the service, and uh, he said, hey, uh, Brother Strobel, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you and thank you for the incredible, profound impact that you have had on my life and the life of my family. He said, you've changed our lives. And Lee Strobel said, well, that's awesome. Who are you? And he said, well, uh, yeah, I, I realize that you probably don't know who I am. Years and years ago, he said, I, I was out of a job, and, and I, I didn't have work, and I didn't know what to do. And uh, so I called a friend uh, to see if he could help, you know, find some, some kind of work for me to do. And the guy asked me, he said, well, can you, can you lay any flooring? And I said, yeah, I, I, can, I can do that. He said, well, then I probably have, I have a job for you. I can put you to work. So he, he put me to work at, at a newspaper. 
And he said, and one day I was laying flooring in uh, an office at the newspaper, and you walked in and started talking to somebody else that was sitting at the desk, inviting them to your Easter service. He said, I don't even think you knew I was there because I was on the floor down behind the desk. He said, so I'm not even sure if you ever saw me. He said, but the more that I listened to that, the more I got convicted. And when I got up and went, left that office, I called my wife. I said, babe, we are going to church on Easter Sunday. We went to your church on Easter Sunday. We both got saved, and now my whole family knows Jesus. <laughs> he said, man, I don't know. He said, I didn't know there was such a thing as ricochet as evangelism. Hard, hard, hard ground. Throwing seed out. No idea what's going to happen. If you prejudge that, there's no way in the world you'd ever take the time to throw that seed out there because that guy is not going to receive it. And guess what? He didn't. But there was a guy down on the ground that was sitting behind his desk putting flooring on that heard it and got saved and his whole family came to Christ. It's real easy to want to hold on to our seed because whenever you start throwing seed, you're going to experience some resistance. There's going to be some people out there say, you keep that seed to yourself. That's for you. You want to eat all that, all that you want, you go ahead. You help yourself, but you keep that seed in your bag. You keep it private. Don't you throw that seed around here. And when we get resistance, it's really easy to start backing up and going, okay, well, I'll just keep what I got because I don't want to lose my seed. Church, if you ever want to kill a church, if you want to truly and literally kill a church, you just zip up your seed bag and you put it down where only you can get to it. And you will eventually succeed in killing a church. If you want to grow a church, you better open this thing back up. And you better start throwing seed with enthusiasm. You throw as much as you can throw. You throw it with energy. You throw it everywhere you can. Don't you dare prejudge. God is responsible for growth. But we are responsible for throwing the seed. We get focused on so many side issues, don't we? Which flavor of seed are we going to have? How big is the bag? Where are we going to get it from? We get focused on all sorts of issues, but while we're focused on all those issues... We ain't throwing any seed at all. There was a young man this week, very much a public thing. Probably most of you saw it. Some of you may not have. But it was a young man that showed us that no matter what else is going on in your life, there's no substitute for throwing seed. This young man... Uh, by the name of Brant Jean. Brant Jean 
had recently lost his brother in a shooting when a female police officer in Dallas, Texas walked into the wrong apartment, saw his brother, who was in his own apartment, pulled her weapon and shot and killed him because she thought she was in her own apartment and he was an intruder. Man, I mean, there is nothing redeeming about that. There's just tragedy. Tragedy for that young woman. Tragedy for the man who lost his life. Tragedy for the families on both sides. It is nothing but tragedy. Everywhere you turn in that story, it is just tragic. But Brant Jean got up on the witness stand after she had already been convicted. And he said, unlike some others, I'm not going to tell you that I wish you would rot in hell. I want the best for your life. I want good things for you. And I truly hope you find Jesus. See, if Brant Jean, who is 18 years old, can before the rest of the world look at the woman who killed his brother in his own home while he was doing nothing wrong, and not only say that he forgives her, but wishes the best for her and hopes that she finds Jesus... He's opening his seed bag and he's throwing it for the whole world to see. Church, all the other stuff that we focus on, all the other stuff that we get twisted about, in the end, it doesn't matter. Because the one thing that matters is the seed of eternity of the gospel that gets planted in the hearts of people that make a decision, yay or nay, for Jesus Christ. That's what matters I'm going to ask the worship team to come to the platform as we close out our service this morning my invitation to you this morning is if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today's a great day to do it I'll be standing here at the front and you can come and grab my hand and say hey can you tell me how to, how to know? Can you tell me how to do that? For the rest of the church this morning, man, this is, my, this is just my challenge to you this morning. Take your seed bag out and start throwing seed like there's no tomorrow. Because for some, there is no tomorrow. Don't prejudge. In two weeks, we have the ability to fill this place up completely with people from all four corners of this geographical area that can hear the power of what God can do in a messed up life. And their eternity can be changed just like that. But it won't be if they're not here. It won't be if the seed isn't thrown. 
So if you need Jesus today, come talk to me. If you need God to lay a burden on your heart for who you can throw seed to or where you can throw seed, then you just come and pray. Let the seed that you step on just be a reminder of how important this is. Would you all stand? Father, as we sing and pray, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will have its will. That we will become just incredibly generous. In fact, downright crazy, Lord, with how much seed that we throw. Trusting that it is the God who gives growth. Our job is to throw it. Lord, have your will and way in Jesus' name.